You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. So let me begin this way. Merry Christmas. Now I know you're thinking, all right, it's a little too soon, isn't it? Well, we have already started with the Advent candles. This is the first Sunday of Advent, so we are beginning to count down the weeks until Christmas. And with that, we are going to spend this Christmas season looking at the New Testament book of Philippians and studying about the joy of the Lord. Let me begin with this observation. In our Declaration of Independence is one, I think, very familiar line. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life for all Americans, guaranteed. Liberty for all Americans, guaranteed. Happiness for all Americans, good luck. And I say that because happiness is elusive. You're welcome to pursue it. People just don't know how to find it. And as a result, for the most part, we live in a joyless, frustrated, angry world. That's why we're opening this book, because this is the only place where you're going to truly discover the good news about the joy of the Lord. So as a nation, we are founded on the pursuit of happiness And here we are, finding ourselves in the Christmas season where we're going to sing some some ancient but favorites, very truthful songs like Joy to the World and Oh, Come All Ye Faithful, you know, joyful and triumphant. Well, is that really our experience? Is that really the, the disposition and perspective of the average American? Well, Let me tell you about a poll that was published just two years ago. Here's what the poll had to say about holidays. That 88% of people feel stressed out during the holidays. That means a good portion of you. 56% of people bite their lip with family during the holidays. That probably happened this last Thursday, right? We only got two options. You either bite your lip or you bite the family. 64% report having certain conversations that are just off limits. What were the three most avoided topics? Politics, someone's personal life, and religion. The average couple has seven arguments during the holidays. So make sure you stretch those out. You got, you got weeks in there. Five most uh, argued topics. Where to go. How much money to spend. Family. Who's going to do the cooking? Who's going to do the cleaning? 85% of people overeat during the holidays of people unbutton their pants after a holiday meal. The other 58% just already have it popped off. 
So given all of that, we will hear several times over the next few weeks a reading from Luke 2. Even Linus from the Peanuts cartoon shares this passage. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Here's what this is saying. There's not joy in the world. There's joy in the Lord. And the Lord brings joy to the world. And his name is is Jesus. This means that Jesus and joy go together. You can't have one without the other. And this is the only way that you can have joy in the midst of this world, no matter what is happening. And this is why we're studying Philippians, because Philippians is all about God's guide to joy. First, a little background on this church in Philippi. It was founded, as we would read in Acts chapter 16, planted by the Apostle Paul. Now, when you read many of his letters and read Acts and you see Paul's travels, most times when he enters a new city, he's going to the synagogue so he can begin to debate and, and, and share how what they are learning about God through the Hebrew Scriptures, the, our Old Testament, that's all pointing to Jesus, the Messiah. Well, as he arrives in Philippi, there is no synagogue. And what Paul finds himself is joining a bunch of women for their prayer meeting. God has already begun to speak into these women's hearts. And Paul is sent from God to share the message about Jesus Christ. They become converted. One of the women is Lydia, who is a wealthy businesswoman, and it's believed that she sponsors a lot of Paul's ministry. Well, fast forward a few years. By the time Paul writes the letter to the Philippians, that church is about 10 years old. He writes to them from Rome, where he's in prison, to encourage them. Did you get that? He's in prison... But he's sending a letter of encouragement. As it turns out, the Philippian church is the best church in the New Testament. They are loving, joyful, generous. They're not perfect, but it's an incredible church. They present a model for us of how we could love each other and pray for each other and cry and laugh together and do life together. The book itself, the book of Philippians, is only four chapters long, a total of 104 verses. But it contains some of the greatest hits of memory verses. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we'll discover a lot more. The theme of Philippians is joy. And the word joy or rejoice occurs 19 times in the letter. Here's what Paul is talking about. God makes life awesome even when life isn't awesome. 
And to make his point, 61 times in these 104 verses, Paul names Jesus. So where's all this going? What's the point of this book of the Bible? Well, let me give you this foundational truth. Your problems are big. I don't even have to know them. But God's joy is bigger. You know, we've all got troubles and struggles. Not sure about the next decision, what what to do on that. But bigger than your pain and bigger than your problem is the joy of the Lord. How do I know this? Who's writing this letter? Paul. Where is he when he's writing this letter? In prison. And he's writing about joy while chained to a Roman soldier. He has pain. He has problems. He's been falsely arrested, beaten, and he has joy. Now, he's not ignoring his circumstances. He's not denying his circumstances, but he wants the Philippians to know, and he wants you and me to know that God's joy is bigger than your pain and your problems. Here's how he starts his letter. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. Now, other translations will actually use the word saints there. To all of God's saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. What he is telling us are the answers to the two most important questions there are. Who is God and who are you? In the first 11 verses alone, Paul is going to mention Jesus seven times. Remember, 61 times in 104 verses. So who is God? It's Jesus Christ. And who are you? Paul, in effect, says, I want you to see yourself as God sees you in Christ. Who you are is your identity has been given to you from Jesus. I mentioned that he addresses this letter to the saints at Philippi, which, by the way, is how he addresses most of his letters. Now, have you ever thought of yourself as a saint? Probably not. Don't even look at your spouse if they came with you. And that's mostly due, the reason why we don't think of ourselves as saints, I believe, is mostly due to the fact that we take our lead from our brothers and sisters in the Roman Catholic Church. There are certain named saints who are named because they are venerated, they are honored, having had miracles attributed to them. But Paul here is addressing the entire body of believers as saints. That's because a saint was simply a follower of Jesus Christ. And the way one becomes a saint, according to verse 2, is through the grace of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this is all about God's faithfulness. God is faithful for you, in you, and through you. That is what Paul takes on next. 
He says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, which in Paul's case is both. He's in chains and he's still defending, declaring, confirming the gospel. All of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge. That's knowledge of God. And depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let me explain to you the Christian life. It's what God has done for you, what God does in you, and what God does through you. First, what God does for you. Paul mentions gospel, which is literally translated to good news. So the reason we can rejoice is that we have Jesus who brings joy to the world, and the good news is what he does for us, in us, and through us. The good news is that in Jesus, God lived in this world for us, and God died for us. And God was risen for us. That's what God does for you. In addition, God does work in you. In verse 6, Paul talks about he who began a good work in you. So not only has Jesus done something for you, Jesus is someone who does something in you. He began a good work in you. So here's what you need to know. The God who started working in you will finish it. He will finish the job. You say, but I've been faithless. I've got good news for you. Our faith is in a faithful God, and when he starts something, he finishes it. He started to love you. He started to bless you. He has started to change you, and he's not going to stop no matter what. Let me say this. I know you're not perfect. None of us is. You've got faults and flaws and failures, but look at what God has done. I want you to be encouraged. Look at the change Jesus has made in your heart and in your life. This means that he is with us in the process, not just in the destination. What I mean by that is that he's going to see us through to the end, but until we get there, while we're moving through to the end, he's still at work in us right now. And then there's the life of Jesus through you. He talks about your love may abound more and more in the knowledge of God, that there will be a fruit of righteousness. Think of it this way. The tree is Jesus, and we're connected to him. And so it's 
his life that is bearing fruit through you. So you want more joy? You want more love? Then tap into the inexhaustible resources of the love and joy of the Lord. It changes how you live. It changes how you see God. It changes how you see others. It changes how you see yourself. It means you have grace because God has poured his grace into you. It means you can love other people because God has poured his love into you. Some of you don't know this. God doesn't just love you. He even likes you. And he doesn't hang out with you because it's his job. He hangs out with you because it's his joy. And you need to receive that as the children of God. And then there's this last section for today. Remember where Paul is writing this letter. He's in prison in Rome. His friends are in Philippi. His friends are freed. He's not. And he's alone, except for the Roman soldier chained to him. But here's what he has to say. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, he refers to them as family. Well, you know, when two people love Jesus, they are family. I want you to know, family, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. It's almost like he's happy about his prison sentence. I think he knows something we don't know. You see, Americans can have the pursuit of happiness, but only a Christian can have the attainment of joy. As a result, it has become clear through the whole palace guard. We're talking about 9,000 soldiers. And to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. He's in jail. Why? Because he loves Jesus. Sometimes, maybe most times, we get into trouble because we did something wrong. But sometimes we get into trouble when we do something right. So just because you're in trouble doesn't necessarily mean you did the wrong thing. He's in prison because he won't stop talking about Jesus. What do you think he does once he gets to prison? He keeps talking about Jesus. Imagine. There's probably a new soldier attached to him every day. And what does Paul think? Ha, new audience. What do the soldiers think? Oh, no, no, don't let it be my turn. Don't let it be my turn. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. When the pressure is on and all of your focus and all your talk is about Jesus, it brings courage to those around you. You know what encouragement really means? It means to put courage in someone. He's saying, I'm here because I talk about Jesus. 
And then he tells his friends to keep talking about Jesus because the people that don't want to hear them talk about Jesus need Jesus. Let me summarize what we've learned from Paul so far, and especially in these last verses. You need a purpose bigger than your pain and your problem. Does Paul have pain? Yes, he does. Does he have problems? Yes, he does. But he has a purpose that's bigger than his pain and his problem. He found meaning. He found value. He found purpose for his pain and problems so that it wasn't wasted but invested. Ultimately, the example of Paul as the purpose of Jesus Christ is bigger than any pain or problem. Paul's purpose was the gospel. It was telling others about Jesus as we move through this season, think about and pray about any purpose you might discover for your pain and your problem so that you can find the joy. Pray that you can become perfected through your suffering. Like Hebrews says, Jesus was perfected through his suffering. Because you see, our usual approach is this. If these circumstances would just be different, if I could just get this under control, I'd be happy. If they would do this, if this thing would happen, then I would be happy. But that means living under the myth that joy is only somewhere out there in the future and not in the present. As soon as you fill in the blank, happens, I'll be happy. How many of you live under that? Joy is forever. And joy is now. Because joy comes from the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to study this incredible book Holy Spirit, meet us where we are and teach us about Jesus and joy. Bring the joy of Jesus to us. And we invite you to do that right now so we can enjoy this Christmas season and enjoy each other and our family and our work, even in the hardships that we face. We'd overcome them. By the joy you showered down upon us. And we pray this prayer through Jesus. And the prayer that he taught. Saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.